3: Hey, it's Erica Cruz Guevara from The Bay with a little request from you, our listeners. We want your feedback. What ideas do you have to make our show better? If you've got just eight minutes, we'd really love if you could take our listener survey so we can learn more about you and what you want to hear more of. To take the survey, go to kqed.org slash thebaysurvey. That's kqed.org slash thebaysurvey. And thanks. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to the Bay, local news to keep you rooted. Okay, let's talk about some One thing the massive rainstorms from earlier this month revealed were the literal cracks in our sewage and wastewater systems. Poop and all kinds of other really nasty things were flowing through residential neighborhoods all over
1: the Bay, and it was not cute. It's easy to forget that this just happened, but this is the moment that we actually need to do something about it when it is fresh on our minds. This won't be the last time we could see
3: or smell sewage flowing down our sidewalks. And that's because the Bay Area's infrastructure isn't made to handle the kind of rain we're gonna get in the years to come. Today, what exactly is broken and what it's going to take to keep poop from flowing through the streets during the next big storm.
1: Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book.
0: That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.
1: So all of that rain um, brought down, you know, everything in its way. Leslie McClurg is a health correspondent for KQED. So you had manholes overflowing in Redwood City. In San Mateo, you had, uh, you know, gallons and gallons of water pouring into creeks. Sonoma, in Oakland, there were manholes that were, you know, kind of spilling out thousands of thousands of gallons that ended up in Lake Merritt. Folsom Street in San Francisco, that neighborhood reported uh, seeing toilet paper in the streets. So really, all across the region, uh, you had sewage mostly quite diluted by stormwater. But but in general, you you were experiencing sewage all across the region.
3: I know you talked with someone who, who witnessed this uh, all happening in, in their own neighborhood.
0: Oh hi Leslie it's Dave David as good
1: Dave lives on San Francisco Bay in San Francisco
0: I've lived on the San Francisco waterfront for 32 years
1: and for years actually he has witnessed Uh, Sewage, unfortunately, overflowing near his house into the bay.
0: I'll try to watch my language.
1: Uh, On New Year's Eve, saw a plume (laughs) of dirty water basically flowing into the bay, kind of fanning out into the waters.
0: There are objects visible, um, (laughs) clumps of dark material, uh, white paper, and probably every kind of birth control device you can think of.
1: He didn't say that he smelled it, but on other occasions he has. So it was just a kind of an ugly scene that he's gotten pretty used to uh, when it rains a lot in San Francisco. What does Dave tell you about what it's like to see that?
0: Well, it's it's devastating.
1: He's an avid kayaker, and I think it's kind of heartbreaking for him to see All of that sewage flow into the kind of crystal blue waters that we think of as San Francisco Bay.
0: We interact with the wildlife or marine life. I've had baby seal pups try to uh, uh, jump up on the bow of my kayak in a friendly way.
1: Kayaks among the seals and enjoys the birds and the fish and everything else. And he knows that all of that water is, is really actually quite toxic for wildlife.
0: Clearly, when the water turns brown, that's going to affect them. And um, I don't know if they move on or inhale it or or what, but it, it can't be good.
3: And I imagine it's very unsanitary and actually dangerous that this stuff is just floating around. Does that mean it's like dangerous, for example, to swim in the San Francisco Bay?
1: Well, they say don't swim for about three days after any kind of a big rainstorm because storm water in general can carry carries everything in its path, right, into the bay. So the water is just generally more filled with potential toxic chemicals. And in the case of sewage, there's bacteria, there's viruses, so you you don't want to go in the water if if there's been a, a sewage spill. So it's probably okay now,
3: but definitely a risk going forward, especially if we're going to see more storms like this, it
1: sounds like. The preliminary reports are, you know, 62 million gallons of raw sewage that leaked into the bay. That's the equivalent, if you want to picture like an Olympic-sized swimming pool, 94 Olympic-sized swimming pools. I don't know that I'm going to go swimming anytime (laughs) soon in the bay, but yes, officials say that it's probably safe by now. Well,
3: I want to talk about why this is happening, Leslie. I mean, that is just a crazy sight to imagine, let alone experience or smell. What exactly was happening that led to raw sewage bursting onto city streets? Like, how does rain lead to sewage spilling
1: out? Every house has a what's called a private lateral that private letter connects to the city pipes and those city pipes connect to the sewage treatment plants along the water. And those pipes are really old. These are old pipes and they have holes and they have cracks in them. So you've got all of this water coming down from the sky, right? That's going to seep into the soil and it's going to kind of seep into the pipes.
2: When you've got these really old pipes, they're sometimes made of clay they
1: oftentimes are broken. Sejal Choksi Chu is the director of the Baykeeper, which is a local uh, nonprofit that is really advocating for keeping the San Francisco Bay clean.
2: And that allows a lot of this rainwater to come into the wastewater treatment system, which is supposed to be a closed system. It's not supposed to allow rainwater in. But right now we've got a large amount of volume of rainwater coming in and our wastewater treatment plants are just not able to handle that big volume.
1: Normally the sewage would go through and get treated before it's taken out to the bay and those treatment plants are basically overflowing and so they can't take on the amount of water that's coming through. You've got the private laterals, the the homeowners, you've got the city pipes, and then you've got these sewage treatment plants. And all of that is is an aging system that really needs to be updated. And scientists predict that with climate change, we're going to have a lot more of these huge rain events. So the whole system failed at many, many points along the way. We need to be upgrading our treatment plants and our
2: wastewater systems, the pipes and everything, so that they can handle these more extreme events because they're becoming more and more normal. We're going to need to be able to handle it in the future.
3: You were just talking about these sort of different points in the system that are supposed to work one way, but kind of failed uh, during this massive rainstorm. And I feel like the last time I heard about wastewater treatment plants was actually when all those dead fish were washing up all over the bay and scientists were sort of pointing at problems at these wastewater treatment facilities and we're talking about them again uh, in this conversation. So I'm curious if the problems that we saw this time around with the rainstorms
1: are connected to the problems we saw with that fish kill. I think it's important, too, as you point to the fish kill to just underline that that wasn't that long ago. That was just last summer. So just right. this year, we've had these two major issues that point to the fact that we really need to do something about our, our infrastructure here. And, yeah, absolutely. they're They're connected in the sense that it really illustrates that our treatment plants need to be updated. You know, this summer we had... Thousands and thousands of pounds of fish, dead fish, washing up on the shorelines because there was sewage that was being released into the bay. Now, at that time, that wasn't raw sewage like we had this time around. But what was happening then is that the treatment plants are not treating the sewage as clean as would be good. So that's why we had this massive disaster this summer, this toxic algal bloom.
3: What can be done about all of this?
1: Both of these issues are pointing to the fact that we really need to, unfortunately, spend probably billions of dollars on updating our treatment plants and also replacing the city pipes and then all the way back to, you know, private citizens taking care of the the laterals or the pipes that come from their own homes. Homeowners can actually take action right away. You can call a plumbing contractor to come out and check your pipes and just make sure that things are working right because it is your responsibility in an event like this. If toilet paper starts backing up into your yard, that's it's a lot more expensive to, you know, pay for it and remediate the issue and decontaminate, you know, your house and stuff, that's a lot more expensive than just hiring someone out to come out and check to make sure everything's working right. So that's the first step for homeowners. And then, you know, advocating for cities to dedicate funds to fix the city pipes. And then obviously, you know, trying to motivate government officials, et cetera, uh, to really take on the, you know, kind of rebuilding and re-outfitting our sewage treatment plants.
3: What roadblocks exist to actually making these really important changes happen?
1: The most recent uh, data or sort of uh, summary of what this might cost uh, was done a few years ago. And that put the total, I think, right around $14 billion. (laughs) So a lot of money that they would need to to come up with just to sort of update our sewage treatment plants so that they would filter correctly. It's easy to forget about our sewage system unless stuff is going wrong then it, then you know generally we flush the toilet and we forget about it. And Sajil Choksi Chu talks about this.
2: Because pipes are underground, they're not sexy, they're out of out of mind. City councils just don't tend to prioritize funding maintenance of these pipes.
1: There are grants that are available right now. The federal government has made you know, grants available right now for infrastructure updates. So there, there is money potentially that the city uh, and the, the different counties could tap to, you know, remediate the situation. Uh, but she said we really need to highlight and, and stay on our officials to take care of this issue and, you know, prioritize it. It really needs
2: to be shaken up. And I think this is the wake-up call for our wastewater treatment plants.
3: Well, Leslie, I mean, why do you think it's important to talk about this now? I mean, it's not really raining anymore. Uh, It was super sunny just the other day when I I was taking a walk and the air
1: was fresh. How might you explain to someone why this is still worth talking about? If we don't want to walk down the street the next time it's raining and smells sewage, then I think it's important not to forget about this issue. As we look out on the bay right now, as you said, it's beautiful, it's crystal blue. It's easy to forget that this just happened, but this is the moment that we actually need to do something about it. But when it is fresh on our minds, Uh, maybe there's willpower to do it. But if we wait too long and we kind of forget about this or sweep it under the rug, we're gonna have this problem again.
3: Leslie, thank you so much. Thank you. That was Leslie McClurg, a health correspondent for KQED. This 20-minute conversation with Leslie was cut down and edited by senior editor Alan Montecilio. I produced this one, scored it, and added all the tape. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. That's it for The Bay. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next time.